Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Womanizer? And of course, for anybody who's a fan of Real Housewives of Orange County, the bad bitch quote of the week comes from none other than Kelly Dodd, where she is describing all the things that she knows about Ernest Hemingway. Um, (laughs) She, I just love Kelly so much. I thank God for her being on this franchise because truly like without her, what would we be doing? I I was listening to something and they brought up a great point that, um, there is no aspiration. Like, you know how Bravo and Andy are trying to push the idea that like, okay, well, let's backtrack a little bit. We both know, we all know, all three of you guys that are listening, <laughs> that the California housewives just really haven't brought it in years. However, Andy and Bravo tried to soften the blow of how boring Beverly Hills is by saying that they're like an aspirational, they're like the aspirational franchise because they're so wealthy. They go on all these fabulous trips, designer, everything, clips and Dorit's hair, the whole thing. But with Orange County, there's really no aspiration. Like, are any of you guys aspiring to live in a divorced lady's casita? Are any of you guys aspiring to be married to a man who looks like an inchworm who can't pass the bar to save his life? Are any of you guys aspiring to ugh, do anything of Tamara? <laughs> what, what, what about Tamara's life is aspirational to you guys? She just made it to Kodo after all of these years of being on the housewives. And now she's about to lose all her money 
because she said that Jim Bellino, former husband of Alexis Bellino, former housewife of Orange County, um, was a fraud and that his <laughs> trampoline gym was a fraud. So now she and Shannon are getting sued for that. Or I guess the, the files, the lawsuit's been dropped since then. But what about Orange County is bringing it? Now, there are other franchises that are not exactly aspirational. I mean, we saw LaDom, Karen Huger's first kitchen that still was like stuck in 1992. And, but yet I don't, I don't, they, they just don't bring it for me. Like, what are we going to do about Real Housewives of Orange County? Y'all think about that. I'm going to have a larger conversation with, about that with a very special guest coming up soon, but I'm very curious to know what y'all's thoughts are. Um, but how was your week? Hi, it's me. I guess I should have said that about three minutes ago. <laughs> My week has been great. I've been doing things that I've never done before. And by that, I mean, I listened to a Harry Styles song. <laughs> I'm 33 on the edge of 34. And I admit that I'm a woman of the NSYNC generation, the Backstreet Boys generation, the 98 degrees. Well, I wasn't listening to 98 degrees, but I was old enough to. I chose not to. <laughs> um, I haven't watched, you know, I think he's from, uh, see, I don't even know. Britain's Got Talent? I, I really don't even know what One Direction came from. I have not watched a musical competition show since Paula Abdul was like slurring into her coke cup on american idol and so i really am like totally evaded from that so one direction is something that i knew was like a huge thing but i only kind of watched them from a distance oh my gosh you know what actually <laughs> they had like a one-hit wonder that came around around the time of, of one direction and i fucked with that song so hard glad you came by the wanted <laughs> do you guys remember that song it was the perfect summer song and even though they were like the not even the 98 degrees of that generation they were like five do you guys remember five <laughs> half of them look half of the guys in the wanted look like preemies and the other one looks like he's 45 but that song was a bop it was a perfect pop song anyway so i listened to harry Styles' song it's called cherry and it's good i think it wasn't what i expected because from like what i've listened to um from one direction they're obviously very poppy but this was like a lot more mellow a lot more like folksy has he always been like that i mean i i remember that like sign of the time song but that this was even more like guitar driven than that has he always dressed like david bowie can anybody answer that um are we supposed to be applauding him for being brave, for wearing a pink blouse and white culottes for his album launch, his era launch, if you will? I don't think so. <laughs> will I listen to the song again? No. But, like, cute for him. And I think I'll give it, like, a 6.8 out of 10. That was my music review for the none of you that were asking. <laughs> But I've been I've been very music centric this week. Like yesterday, I heard that Camila Cabello. This was whew, she gets my OK Girl award for the week. She admitted that, or she revealed rather that she was going to be the original singer on God Is a Woman, which we all know went to Ariana Grande. Was one of her breakout, well, not breakout songs, but like one of her top songs. That 
is laughable. <laughs> Think for one second about Camila Cabello singing God is a Woman, a song that requires a powerful voice to emote the expression or the, you know, the feeling of women being this powerful voice, force, and <laughs> could you imagine? God really works in the blessing blessing business by not giving us things that we can't handle. So, okay, girl. I mean, thank you for embarrassing yourself by admitting that because God, could you? I just can't even imagine. <laughs> I can't even imagine that. It makes me laugh. So, okay, girl. All right. Let's get into our next segment. On Friday the 13th, something shocking happened in the DMV area. No, it was not the impeachment articles going forward to the House, but it was one real housewives of Potomac, Robin Dixon, getting engaged to her former husband, Juan. I... Did not see this coming. <laughs> Just a little um, backstory for you guys. Robin and Juan, like I said, are from Real Housewives of Potomac. Juan Dixon is a former NBA star. And she, he and Robin had been married. They've basically been like college sweethearts and got married young and had two boys. Really had the dream. He got into the NBA. He was making a boatload of money. They were doing really well financially and boom, Robin takes their, most of his, well, their slash wands, hard-earned money, gives it to a friend to invest in a business that went awry. Um, well, there really was no business. He basically just stole all their money and unfortunately ended up committing suicide. Um, so this landed them in really bad financial straits when we Robin's like been on Potomac since season one and they were really not doing well financially. They were living in, I guess it was like a townhouse, um, really small, um, barely making ends meet. I don't think Juan was working at the time and they were really just struggling financially trying to bounce back from, um, the fraud that happened. Um, so they had been living together this whole time, even though they had officially legally gotten a divorce, they had been co-parenting, sharing the same household, living as a nuclear family, as far as the boys were concerned. But Juan also had stepped out on the marriage or he was actively like, you know, seeing other people dating, sleeping with other people. Um, this was a topic of discussion as to, you know, over several years as to like, what is it that you two are doing? What's the end goal here? If you guys are divorced, like at what point are you going to really separate from each other? Um, you know, is Juan going to move out of the house? Are you guys going to try to like really co-parent in a more normal way? Like I, I've never heard of a couple getting divorced and still living together and sleeping with each other and sharing a bed and their kids don't even know that they're divorced. Like the kids didn't even find out that they had gotten a divorce until last season. And I guess they heard it on the internet. And so they had to explain, um, you know, that they weren't together, but they were still trying to make it work. So over the seasons, you know, like season one, it was kind of like, 
I don't really know what we're doing. We're in a bad place. One sleeping with other people. Season two is kind of more of the same. Season three, we get more of a, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. Like maybe things are really going to work out between us. Juan's being a little bit more present. And as a father, he got a job, you know, he's contributing to the family. And last season we really saw them like getting along well, trying to make it work. You know, they were basically dating, hooking up and all those things without officially having a relationship title. Um, At the end of the season, they get matching ring finger tattoos of two hearts, which I think people thought was quite a bit of a cop out. Like, why didn't Ron get the ring? Obviously, a tattoo is a little bit cheaper. And I think it's... You know, it, it's very easy. If I if I was hooking up with a guy and he had two hearts on his ring finger, I could easily say I, I could easily see being swayed by just saying like, "Oh, well, those are for my kids," and you know, I got them when you know, like me and my ex wife got them both at the same time, and like you know, it doesn't mean anything. Like it, it's very easily you know, a cop out. And it wasn't even like on the top of their finger. Like it was like on the side of the finger. So like you could even hide that. (laughs) So there have been rumors that like Juan had even up until like very, very recently been sleeping with this woman that he had like a whole girlfriend on the side. There was no, um, secret about that. It was an open thing. And so now we see, well, let me backtrack a little bit. So, at the reunion, Robin basically predicted that they would be engaged in, she said, you know, like within the year. So come to find out that is actually what happened. I don't think anybody believed Robin when she said it, but it did. So they were at the season five rap party, you know, where romance blooms and he gets down on one knee in front of all the cameras and Giselle and Candace who somehow find a way to make it about themselves by screaming. You guys can see the video on my Instagram. It's all everybody's, but everyone's business, <laughs> everyone's business with mine on Instagram. Um, so yeah, I mean, she looks gorgeous. I, <sighs> I think those of us who are Potomac fans have watched Robin be very passive towards her relationship. And maybe that's benefited her in a way, but in another way, I I don't know. Like, I wish the best for them. They're a gorgeous couple. Robin is so beautiful. Juan is so hot, you guys. <laughs> like, Mauricio, who... Who's another hot husband? I don't even know. <laughs> Eddie, do people think Eddie's... Ooh, do people think Eddie's hot? Do people think Eddie's hot? Can anybody answer that? Eddie Judge. Like, objectively, he's a good-looking person. But, like, are you guys attracted to Eddie? I'm not. Who else is a hot house husband? I don't even know. Oh, you guys, did you guys watch Ladies of London? Because Caroline Stanberry's husband, Jem, was gorgeous. He was an underrated husband, for sure. Anyway, the point is that Juan is hot, Robin's hot, and I wish the best for two hot people, you know, if there, there's nothing more beautiful in this world than two hot people in love, okay? <laughs> so I wish the best for them, mazel to them. I think this was for sure the most shocking engagement that we've had out of the Housewives or out of Bravo this year. I mean, everybody saw Stassi and Bo coming, 
Tinsley, I mean, it was a shock, but only because their relationship is horrible. <laughs> but anyway, congratulations to them. I really am stumping for you guys to start watching. Start over, start from the beginning of Potomac. If you have not seen it before, I cannot imagine this world if I had not experienced the grand dame of Potomac, Karen Huger. Like, where would I be in life? Where would any of us be if, without Karen Huger? And that's something to think about. Cozy up again, you guys. The Kardashian Corner is back. I could not believe this is one of my favorite episodes um, of the season. And by that, I mean once or twice a season, they give us a little... The Kardashians give us a little peek behind the curtains, a little more insight into their family dynamic, um, how they navigate being family and business partners, how they deal with the show, how they deal with like their personal lives and how they handle it. And this was, I thought, an awesome episode. So a couple months ago, Kim, Courtney, and Chloe were doing press for their perfume lines. They all had an individual scent that came out um, with KKW Fragrance. And Courtney revealed in one of the interviews that she was going to be taking a step back from the show in order to spend more time with her family. Now, if you guys are, um, you know, a fan of mine <laughs> or a former listener of mine, you know that I have these feelings about Courtney and how she... I mean, I don't want to say that she doesn't give a fuck about her kids, but I know that she doesn't care for them in in the way that a person without nannies could. We, we'll say that. Um, so finally, the truth is revealed in this episode that Courtney is taking a break from keeping up, not because she wants to spend more tam- time with her family, but mostly because she wants to be able to fuck Eunice without any questions, which, Fair. It's an incredibly fair point to make. Um, so during the last week's episode, they start off their first scene is with them all, the girls, the three girls in the kitchen. Chloe notices that Courtney has a hickey and they, being Kim and Chloe, try to figure out who it is. So Kim and Chloe are in a talking head and they're like, oh, maybe it's this guy, this guy, that guy, but they bleep the names out. So from what I could deduce from my lip reading... Um, it looked like it, Kim said, no, Chloe said John or Sean. Kim definitely said Eunice. And then it looks like Chloe says Rob Lowe. And then it's only compact, compounded by the fact that Kim then says, or Rob, our brother. Like, obviously, it's a joke. So, what? <laughs> Has she been hooking up with Rob Lowe? behind everybody's back like that would be crazy my first thought would have been Travis Barker since they're neighbors and like you guys I have very special feelings about Travis Barker it has been ingrained in me since I was a tangential fan of Blink-182 in sixth grade and it has remained for the past 20 plus years (laughs) I think Travis Barker is so hot and I I can't explain why because typically well he is my type I did date a guy once who looked astonishingly like him and I miss him but um yeah I I'm I'd be very shocked if it was Rob Lowe but if you guys have any tea on that please let me know so then later in 
the episode, Chloe is hanging out with the kids. And then by the kids, I mean her kid, True, was hanging out in her lap. And Mason and Penelope are there all hanging out. Chloe's like, oh, well, let's FaceTime your mom. She tries one time, gets dropped, tries another time, gets dropped, gets a text from Courtney that says she's with the kids. This makes them all burst out laughing. Mason then FaceTimes Scott, and Scott has rain. So Courtney's not with anybody. And to quote Nilsa from Floribama Shore, she's just thotting and plotting around Calabasas. And am I here for it? I don't know. Okay, so later in the episode, they they keep trying to catch Courtney, figuring out, like, where it is that she's going. In one scene, this was obviously so scripted that I didn't even really want to talk about it, but they follow her to this guy's house. And we see video of her, Courtney, walking into the guy's house. You can't see the guy because they're far enough away. Like, they're clearly filming from across the street. But, like, you're going to tell me that they didn't notice (laughs) the cameras filming them? I don't know. So then Kim and Chloe then break. They basically do breaking and entering with the cameras, go into this guy's backyard, and they're, like, running back and forth. Courtney, quote, notices them and starts yelling at them and says, like, I'm here for a business meeting not you know like this isn't some like hookup and like this is really not cool which is fair i mean it's a fair point if it's a real scene but we all know that it was not um but later in a scene kim and chloe and scott are hanging out and they are looking at these papers that basically give them reviews from production from e about um like the feedback from the fans So they say things that I have been saying on a former podcast. You guys all know what it was, (laughs) which means that my theory of them listening to us were correct, or I'm just always right in general. I'll take either. I'm willing to accept either option. Anyway, the thoughts that they had were about Kim showing her relationship with Connie more. People really liked that. They responded well to that. 48% of people wanted Scott to be on the show more. They considered him to be like an antagonist, but like also like a really good guy. They wanted to see him up to more antics, which I actually disagree with. They mentioned something about like, oh, doing more of the podcasts that he had with Chloe and, and pranks and stuff, which I don't really like. I don't need Scott for that. I just need Scott to like sit around and talk shit about all the girls and like remind them that they're like rich and famous and that all of this shit is absolutely ridiculous that's what i love scott for um but they also mentioned that courtney does not show enough of herself on the show um (laughs) basically kim and chloe basically facetime courtney while she's i don't know doing like a cooking class at her house Penelope's like all up in the FaceTime so she can clearly hear what's being said and Kim says I want to talk to you about something it starts with an F and it ends with a D obviously like we're gonna fire you and Courtney's like okay fine well that's you know whatever she's like playing it totally cool then she starts texting Chloe about like I'm sitting here and I'm crying and I can't believe how dare you say that in front of my daughter and now I'm sitting up here here upset we were supposed to have a dinner and I just invited you to and now you guys want to fire me which seems very classic Courtney play it cool now and then explode later and she also told them 
<laughs> that they had bad vibes. Can you imagine? I would love if my sister would say that to me. Then Kim and Chloe are not done. They then point their arrow at one Chris Jenner, the head of all of this, and bully her basically into filming. They said that she's not willing to film and that they tried to go over and film with her because, you know, they all live like within, you know, a stone's throw of each other. They went over to Chris's house and Chris didn't want to film that day because she was sick. So they basically bully her into coming over. The first like 30 seconds of Chris talking is basically just her like hacking, coughing (laughs) into the microphone. And yeah, it's just all very awkward. And she's like sitting in her pajamas. Chloe rightfully argues. I mean, I, I think everybody has great points. Chloe argues that like having to go through the whole Tristan and even Lamar back in the day scandal is like really taking a toll on her, but that she knows that this is the show is a job. And part of that job is giving of yourself and revealing these sides of yourself and that being called a loser (laughs) by the entire whole world is not ideal, but like this is part of the plan. Now, I understand that being in positions like these are very stressful. And I think even being a Kardashian or a Jenner specifically brings its own set of unique issues that I don't believe other reality TV families or even reality TV stars have to deal with. Um, So I understand Courtney wanting to protect parts of her life and you know, not put everything on the show, but also we see a lot of Kim. We see a lot of Kanye. Um, Kim mentions that like Kanye, you know, that this is not his job, but like she makes a point to talk about the things in her life as much as she can and be as open as she can. And that she really makes that effort. And she also mentions like, on top of that, I'm studying for the bar. I'm, you know, I'm studying to be a lawyer. I've got my many businesses. I have my family. I've got four kids. And, you know, I just try to make all those things work. And I think that is a great point because really outside of like her family, what is Courtney doing? Like her, <laughs> I just, and and to film the show, like half the time or even 80% of the time, I would say they're just filming on the couch or they're eating their salads or they're, you know, it's not like they're having to go on all these adventures and we're traveling without my family. And this is really taking a toll on me. It's not like you're not a housewife or you're having to be away from your kids because that's not part of the storyline. Like her family is the storyline. And like I said, I understand wanting to protect that but it's also like you knew what you were I don't know at what point do we say you know that you were what you were signing up for and also allow people to have their privacy I think that at this point she knows the game at this point they can make accommodations for her and this is what this was the best part of the whole thing is that they film a scene at the end with kim chris chloe and 
the producers really chime in. So we're breaking the third wall like crazy. And this was amazing. So it starts off by Chloe saying like, so basically like, what is it that you guys think that you contribute to the show? And nobody says anything. And it's awkward. And Kim was like, well, I don't even feel like this conversation is for me because I'm putting my all into this. So this converse, I mean, this needs to be answered by Courtney and Chris. And so the producer's like, yeah, Courtney, do you have an answer for like what it is that you contribute to the show? And the producer basically kind of like dogs her out. And it's basically like, yeah, you're really not, you really don't give us much to work with. You're the, you know, you give us the least and they being Kim and Courtney really have to pick up your slack. So, you know, if, and a lot of times, like in the last minute, you'll cancel on us and blah, blah, blah. And Courtney's excuse was like, oh, well, you know, like I just get in these energies and like, I don't want to be around these bad people. <laughs> Basically, like referring to the family who she's sitting right next to and like the third person of these, like, these are these strangers that she has to deal with. And yeah, the producers really were like, not giving, not cutting her a lot of slack because as a, you know, Kim, Chloe, and Courtney are the heart of the show. And they have been. That was the whole reason why they premised keeping up with Kardashians was around Kim and her two sisters. And yeah, I mean, they are the undisputable three stars of the show. That is the point. And so I have to imagine that if Bethany Frankel can walk onto any set of Real Housewives New York shilling her skinny girl shit all over that I have to imagine that Courtney, who has been on the show and is a Kardashian could run this shit and tell them this is what I can give. And like, I feel like they could work with her, but it seems like if their producer is willing to stay on camera that like, you're not really pulling your weight, then it, it, indicates to me that like they have a very that Courtney's very difficult and I have heard that she's the least like on the show that she is sort of like the one that people like the least basically that she's the toughest one to work with so I we're gonna see I mean that was like a to be continued um we're gonna see what happens from there but I I think Kim and Chloe are right. They're bleeding out for the show. And Courtney doesn't want to do that. And she just wants to, like, eat her little matcha puddings every morning and not talk and still collect a paycheck. And I don't think that's fair. And I don't think she's even trying to reach a compromise. I think any time she gets pushed she retreats, which Courtney is a Taurus. <laughs> and I think that that's, says enough about that. She is very much like a backed into a cage. She'll just lash out and act like an absolute monster. If she feels like she's being wronged, even though she's wronging other people. Mm. Anyway, you guys, that's the end of the Kardashian corner. for this. Ooh, 90 day fiance heated up a little bit tonight and I'm so excited to recap it. I'm going to start with, gosh, should we start with Michael and Juliana since I guess they were the first couple. 
Um, so we're kind of leading back from last episode where Juliana is still confused about what a prenup actually is. Um, Michael tries to explain it, but then he uses kind of these like big words, like, and he, he doesn't really like, <laughs> I feel like if somebody's, if English was somebody's second language and I was trying to describe a prenup to them, I would say it's a, an agreement that we make in case anything happens to our marriage um, you know, like if, if some, should something happen to our marriage, is, is this is an agreement that we make like of how we move forward with that financially or something like that. I don't know. He was just using very, very like big words. And she said she was confused. A lot of people have been talking and saying that they don't really believe Juliana and they don't believe that she's as innocent as she claims. And also they don't believe that she is, um, completely in the dark when it comes to the prenup. I don't know. I think she is. I mean, I, I can't imagine that a lot of 22 year olds, even American ones could really like legitimately tell you what a, I don't know, maybe they could, I don't know, but I, gosh, I don't know. Um, so she also says like, it doesn't matter how much how many times he explains it to me, like, I don't get it, this is just blah, 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 as she puts it. So then she also asks if Sarah, his ex-wife, um, if if she had one, if he and Sarah had a prenup, and he said no, and that they were, like, they had student loans, and they didn't have anything, and so there wasn't really a need for it at the time. And then she asks a very fair question of why it is that he did not bring up the idea why he did not tell her about a prenup prior to Sarah doing it. And he said, well, I wasn't expecting her to say it, but she, you know, is a fair point. Like if this was something that has always been in the back of your mind, then you should have been clear with me about that from the beginning. Um, he also says, you know, that it's not, he tries to explain to her that it's not really so much about like not getting money. He just wants to make sure that Max and Cece, the kids are taken care of and not so much, about, you know, screwing her her out of a deal. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Um, she is annoyed, and I think that's fair. And she says that she feels like Michael doesn't tell her things and keeps her in the dark about things that he would not do with Sarah. And she feels like Sarah's more like privy to like the inner workings of their relationship than even she is. Um, so then they go to a mediator, but let me also just say that this is where the cracks really start showing with Michael. Like we've seen a little bit of here, like a little bit of ugly American here and there, but this is where we see him really struggling with it. Um, so they go to a mediator and they kind of like dive into the finances a little bit. We learn that Michael owns some, a couple wine companies and that he, you know, has a steady flow of income that he's self-employed. Um, she, the mediator asks if he wants all of his assets in his name. And he says, yes, that he wants separate property, everything in his name. And the mediator is kind of like, I don't know. She, she seems to have Juliana's back and I, Juliana recognized that. Um, so the mediator asked Juliana, like, what is your financial situation? Like, what is your occupation? She says she's a model. She asks her about her financial situation. Um, and she's like, well, I don't really have one. Like I stopped working a few months ago. And then she was like, well, if your modeling career takes off in America, would you want to share your money with Michael? And she was like, well, he just said he wasn't going to share his money with me. So no. <laughs> and, um, yeah, <laughs> that was funny. The mediator really gives her a reality check. And she was like talking to both of them and saying, you know, that a prenup is designed to help her and to be helpful to her in a situation. She's like, you need to be realistic about the situation. She asked Juliana if she would, you know, like, what do you want for Michael? Should you guys get a divorce? And she's like, well, I don't want anything. She's like, but the mediator is like, well, you need to be realistic about that because if you're out on your own, like you are going to have to start paying rent and gas and car and you know, all those normal things that you're going to have to pay for. And you need to be realistic about that. Like if you don't have a job, and you're just going to be out there, then that's going to be a huge problem for that. Um, we find out yet again, another onion has unfolded from their relationship. And we find out that Michael and Juliana actually broke up last year and they had broken up for three months. And this is where Juliana kind of, it starts to click for her. And she's saying, she tells us that Michael had pretty much promised to be supportive of her financially forever. <laughs> Basically he had promised her the world. He said he would always take care of her, blah, blah, blah. But she says that one day out of the blue, he calls her, tells her that he wants nothing to do with her and that they had broken up. And she said that this was like in a time where he had been taking care of her financially, that she wasn't working much and she didn't have a lot of income that she really needed to, you know, make some money for rent. And she said that he left her completely hired and dry and completely ghosted her for like three months. Um, so we start to see her getting angry and annoyed. And she says that she's angry with herself for being in this position. And it, yeah, like I said, it really starts to click with her. Like he's taking me to this office and basically saying that he wants all of his assets 
to belong to him. And now I'm in a position where we're talking about what happens if I get a divorce. And I've already seen how he acts when he doesn't want to be in a relationship with me anymore. And I'm kicking myself now for not thinking about this. Trying to give her the benefit of the doubt of why this did not occur to her at the time or at the time of like them getting engaged and them, um, you know, making plans for her to move to America. Why this didn't cross her mind until she went into the mediator's office. I'm not sure, but I'll just give her the benefit of the doubt and the 22 year old of it all. (laughs) Um, the situation gets very awkward where they have, they go to the car, they leave the office, they go to the car. Um, Juliana's very annoyed and she looks like a little kid or like a teenager who just got in trouble for like ditching school and their dad picked him up from school. And we can see that like Michael's face, y'all pay attention to Michael's facial reactions in this car, because this is where we really see the real Michael. (sighs) She says that she feels desperate to make money and she starts to cry and Michael looks like really like really turned off by her really just grossed off by her wanting independence and realizing that like I shouldn't just be like leaning on this man as a sugar daddy it's like as soon as she said that she wanted independence he was like ugh Like, he really seems to love the idea that the fact that she's poor and that he can take care of her. I would really love to know his finances because I don't think his money is as long as he's, like, being coy about it, you know? You know know how wealthy people tend not to flaunt their wealth? And I think he's being quiet about it because he thinks that's what he should do. But I don't think he's wealthy. I think he's comfortable, and there's a difference. <laughs> um, so then he goes on telling on himself. You guys, a man will tell on himself every single time. You just have to wait for it. And he tells her, like, as she's talking about how upset she is, how, like, she needs to be an independent person and start making money and, like, you know, be a responsible human being and not just rely on him. He goes, basically like you should just be lucky that you're here in America and that you've made it out and that you have the chance to be an international model and that you're not stuck in Brazil like your sister to have babies (laughs) ew David that's so sick (sighs) you guys I have to admit that I really thought that like Michael was kind of sexy myself I hate myself so much I under he's not attractive I'm not attracted to him well okay I am attracted to him even though I do not find him attractive I think he's gross I don't understand why he continues to wear clothes that are from when he was 20 pounds lighter he skin looks like it's moist but I just like I want to kiss him and I (laughs) myself but it's over now it's over so fuck you michael 
I'm sick that I just admitted what I admitted about Michael, but we're going to move on, okay? I, I'm so sad. I'm so sorry for <laughs> to have to put that on you guys. Uh, okay, Sasha and Emily. They are finally headed to America, and Sasha actually expresses happiness for once in this season. Um, They are landing in Chicago because her mom and sister live in Indiana. She's going to be staying with her, well, rather, they are going to be staying with her sister Betsy in South Bend um, until they can land on their feet, get a job, an apartment, etc., Uh, Betsy and her mom, Karen, are at the airport and they're so excited to see baby David, not so much Emily and Sasha, which is fair because David is really the prize here. I think that David is for sure in like a size three T despite the fact that he's like nine months old. I know I say this every episode, but he is such a big baby (laughs) and it's not even a, it's not even an insult. I really, he's so cute. He's just so large. He's so large. Okay. Anyway, Sasha has dreams to be a fitness model and personal trainer, much like, you know, half of New Jersey and Atlanta, and seems to think that this is going to be the key to riches and a prosperous life in America. Uh, I think he's very confused about how much people, how much money people make from that. Like, unless you're like Gunner working out Chloe every week. I don't think it's going to happen for you, but okay. Um, okay. So they arrive in South Bend and she makes him a bowl of frosted mini wheats, shredded mini wheats. And Sasha says that he's never heard of cereal in his life, that they like don't have that. He says that he usually eats, he takes one bite and is like, this is a lot of sugar. Like I would never consume this amount of sugar and I can feel it. And he asks them like, what they, what is a typical American breakfast? He's like, I never heard of cereal. This stuff is gross. And Betsy starts getting really um, offended, which I can't blame her for because, oh my God, he, he, um, so it's like their first day in Indiana. And the first thing that Sasha wants to do is go to the gym and, Um, Emily's like, well, don't you want to go like sightseeing or, you know, check out the, uh, city or all? He's like, yeah, well, we can do both. And Sasha then basically starts fat shaming Emily's sister, Betsy. And he takes bites. He like grabs some shredded mini weeds out of the box. And he's like, is this something that you eat every day? She's like, no, you know, like. I just bought some quick stuff because you guys are here and you know, like I just bought quick meals because I didn't really know what you wanted. And he was like, Oh, well you can consider the frosted mini weights a a cheat meal. (laughs) So Betsy is, she's not fat, but she is a curvy girl for sure. And it's, definitely pissed her off. Then he turns to Karen, Emily's mother and says, do you eat this every day for breakfast? And she's quite thin. And she's like, no, I don't usually eat that. And he's like, well, I can tell. (laughs) Ugh. Okay. So as they leave to go to the gym, Sasha starts to flirt with mother Karen and says, Oh mom, He, he gets his voice. Oh mom, can you make sure that you take care of the baby? 
I love you. And then winks at her. Ick, get out of here. Sasha says that in the 10 days since moving to America, well, the 10 days prior to moving to America, that they had been so busy packing and getting ready that he had not had any time to go to the gym and that he claims that he has lost 10 pounds of muscle and that he's also motivated to go to the gym because Emily still has her baby weight and she really needs to get it together and get her body back. (sighs) So they're working out and Emily finally wakes up from whatever slumber that she's in, like pretending to be dizzy Um, when she was pregnant and says that she's finally worried about Sasha's having a wandering eye. Duh. Sasha then says that that she shouldn't worry about that. It's like, I don't really look at women in the gym. They're looking at me. (laughs) (laughs) Emily says that she doesn't think that Sasha understands how different life would be, but I honestly think that Emily didn't account for the fact that Sasha is not going to change. A leopard does not change her stripes. And I don't know why when you know that Sasha was not an active parent to the other two children that he left behind in Russia, why somehow the hustle and bustle of how Americans do things is going to make him a better father, how it's going to change his priorities when he made it very clear that like fitness and being a personal trainer was his priority. I don't know what she was thinking. Why was she thinking that anything was going to be any different? It's, so stupid that was pretty much the end of emily and sasha just her being stupid (laughs) okay back to angela and michael who had a pretty short story um this season as well or this episode as well so we're back in angela's trailer looks like a double wide maybe a triple wide they have triple wides um with the six grandkids her 78 year old mother and skyla who we learn even though some of those kids are Skyla's. The Skyla actually does not live in the house. And that Angela really does truly take care of all her six grandchildren 24 seven. Why Skyla does not live there is beyond me. Angela said that she practically does, but there has to be some reason why Skyla is unable to care for her own children in her own home. If she has her own home, why aren't they there? That's what I am wondering. Um, Angela bought a lock for her bedroom so she could make jiggy jiggy with Michael, who she refers to as Papa and the kids refer to him as Papa as well. Um, so she explains, I thought very, um, good for, you know, children that Papa's a man and that they don't have all the kids, by the way, are girls. So it's like eight women, eight girls in this house. And they say that, you know, Papa's a man and that we don't have a man in the house and that he needs to have his privacy and that she needs to have a lock on the bedroom. And then also like whoever, whichever of these 11,000 children sleep with her, that they can no longer sleep in the bed with her anymore and that they need boundaries. Um, Then Angela goes on to say that like (laughs) that Papa, Papa Michael is going to be the head of the household, which means that he will 
be like a stepdad to Skyla, which Skyla was like, no, he's not. <laughs> and that also that he was going to be like that if Angela was not home, that Papa Michael was going to be in charge, to which Angela's mom um, breath breathily shouted from her wheelchair <laughs> that she was not going to have any man in charge of her. And I agree with you. And I hope mother Angela, that you run over Angela with your wheelchair later, just step over like three toes, you know, just tell her who's boss next later. They go dress shopping, um, Angela and Skyla for a wedding dress. And Angela says that it's important to have a U.S. wedding because quote, she already done had the engagement ceremony in Nigeria. She already done had the engagement <laughs> ceremony in Nigeria. Um, Angela is basically saying that like, it's not fair for her to have a wedding in Nigeria because her, none of her family would be able to go and that you shouldn't have a wedding in another country if none of your family can attend. And then Angela, ardent Trump supporter, by the way, says that she has every right to have Michael come to America because she is a taxpayer. So that was the end of them. <laughs> Annie and Robert were another quick couple for this week. We didn't get any of my boo Sinjin and his chi devil Tanya. So ugh, I'm just very sad. Um, it opens up on Annie and Robert sleeping in the bed with Bryson, who Robert says sleeps in the middle of the bed every night. He says he's used to, they're, they're doing like a night vision <laughs> of them in the bed, even though they're clearly all awake. Um, Bryson's like doing every move from Cirque du Soleil that he can do within the nine inches of space that he has between Annie and Robert. And Robert says that like, he's basically slept, shared a bed with Bryson since he was born. So he's used to, you know, the kicking and the scratching and the whatnots bumps in the night. And Annie says that it's not comfort. And I would imagine that kick, getting kicked in the face in the middle of the night isn't. So they go apartment hunting. This was so fucking ridiculous, you guys. They go apartment hunting. And this is very classic Robert and Annie. They go to this lovely apartment in Winter Park, Florida. It's a two bedroom. It's nice. It's right on the lake. It's like, looks brand new or very close to it. And yeah, it, um, you know, it's just a gorgeous apartment. So then of course, Roberts <laughs> pulls the rug out from Annie yet again and says that he just renewed his lease and Annie gets furious. Like he still has a year left on the lease and that they were just looking. Annie's furious. And I see this keeps happening. And I, that's why I'm team Annie, because I feel like this shit keeps happening to her. Why would he, Annie tells us that, that he had promised her that like one of the first things they were going to do is to find a new apartment when she got there. And so she was like, why did you bring me here <laughs> to this beautiful apartment to just tell me that like, we can't move here and that we have to wait at least a year. 
he goes into this diatribe about how she's bougie and how he she wants and expects all of these things, but he's only one person and how she thinks that everybody in America is so rich and that's not really the case. I don't think that's the case at all. Annie's 30 years old. Annie doesn't seem to be that naive to the ways of the world. I understand that like a lot of people in different countries see America as the land land of opportunity, but I would think that Annie's old enough to not know, to know that like, we're not all just like shitting out gold here. Like, I think she gets it. She can, she has Google just like everybody else. And so I think, like I said before, Robert is pulling the wool under her eyes and it's not fair to her. So poo on you, Robert. (laughs) He also, (laughs) it's worth noting that they're having this conversation in front of the leasing agent or, you know, whoever's showing them this apartment. And I hereby declare that the city of Winter Park, Florida, needs to file an ordinance against both Annie and Robert for continuously subjecting its citizens to their arguments and leaving them with no place to be. They've done this now to Miguel the really hot boxing coach. They've done it to her. They did it to the lady at the secondhand store where Robert tried to trick Annie into thinking that he was taking her on the shopping spree, but then took her to like a Plato's closet. This is now three people. And I think that they need to file a class action lawsuit. Will they get and get any money? No, because Robert's a tight ass, but I think it's worth doing it just to send a message, you know? <sighs> okay. <laughs> So again, Annie asks Robert why she, why he brought her there. And he goes, well, because I love you, but you're being ungrateful. (laughs) And he says that he's basically, he feels like he's raising two Brysons. That guy. Don't. (laughs) He keeps putting her in the situations where she seems ungrateful, but it's like, if you just look a little bit deeper, then you're seeing that this is a bunch of bullshit. Like you don't bring somebody to a piece of property, tell them that like you can't move there and then tell them that they're ungrateful. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's like if he took Bryson to toy toys R us and was like, you should just be grateful for, to be able to look at these toys. I'm, I'm just a man, Bryson. I'm only one person. <laughs> I'm just your father. I'm just a person who agreed to financially take care of you. <sighs> so yeah, you do have two Brysons. You have two people that you're sharing a bed with that depend on you financially that you're not doing shit for. That's what I think. So screw you, Robert. Annie also gets frustrated because she's, you know, much like Juliana, she's like, I can't work right now. I have to depend on you financially. And I'm seeing that like all these things that I was promised aren't coming true, but I can't even do anything about it to change the situation because I can't work. So hashtag team Annie for life over here. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Here. All right, well, I kept my mouth shut on this couple, but I had a feeling that I knew things were going to go down between them, and it's about to go down. So here we go. (laughs) Mike and Natalie. Um, Micah's been in the Ukraine for a few days now, and Natalie announces that she's going to take him to church. He laughs, and she's like, why you laugh? Now, we all laugh, because as we remember, Mike is a guy who believes in ancient aliens rather than Christianity. He believes that aliens are responsible for everything that in the past what people uh, thought were angels and God and um, you know people riding on clouds were just aliens with spaceships and yada yada yada. He His um, defense for that was there are pyramids on every continent. And they didn't know to tell each other that, so how do they all know to build pyramids? (laughs) I don't know, Mike. I don't know. Oh, God. Um, So Natalie drives them to church, and by that I mean we learn that Natalie really doesn't know how to drive. She, at one point, is driving on train tracks. We see her almost get into a fully head-on collision, and yeah, it seems like a bumpy, bumpy ride. She laughs the whole time, and like I said, I was silent before on this issue, but I knew that Natalie was probably unwell and emotionally um, expressive, we'll say, emotionally expressive, (laughs) and um, and yeah, I I knew that this was going to end up being a problem because she had reiterated that Christianity was like a big part of her life, so I'm not sure, like, it wasn't some great reveal that he was an atheist because she seemed to be very, she seemed to know. So I'm not sure like why all of a sudden she's making this. Anyway, let's go on. (laughs) So he does agree to go to church and when they get there, she tries to tell him like what it is that they do, that they have these three posts that have, I'm not sure what religion she is. Maybe she's Catholic. I don't know much about what Catholicism, what they do, um, but they had these like three kind of altars with pictures of Jesus and the Virgin Mary and supposed to like do the sign of the cross at all of them. Um, so then she was like, you know, like he, I, I gotta give it up to Mike because he has been, I think very respectful, but also like trying to be firm and saying like, I'm very respectful of what you believe in, but like you have to meet me halfway and and do the same for me. So Natalie then tells him while they're in church, standing at the front of the church that she is afraid of people who don't have religion because basically she was saying that 
when you're religious, it comes with a set of values and that she thinks that like, (laughs) this is so naive. She thinks that like, if you're religious, you just inherently follow those values of, you know, not lying, not being like a bad person as if that's the only thing that's going to help. Um, and so he's like, yeah, I, I feel all of those things that you should be a good person, that you shouldn't lie, that you shouldn't kill and blah, blah, blah. And then she gets, she goes like, (laughs) basically walks away from him, goes to find the nearest chair and just sits there with her eyes closed. Just like, Jesus, take the wheel. Um, and maybe he should have because Lord knows she almost killed him. Um, so the next morning, Natalie is obviously mad at Mike. They're having breakfast with her mom and the mom, (laughs) and this is where we start to see where the mom gets it from or where Natalie gets it from. She gets it from her mother. So Natalie's mom does not speak English. And so she's speaking in like Russian and Ukrainian. She's talking about like, oh, you guys have to have a baby, a happy couple, have happy children. So like, you guys have to do this. I want two to three grandkids. Um, And Natalie is just like pouting and being angry and slamming the tea kettle the whole time. And so like his mom is, excuse me, Natalie's mom is trying to talk to him and like tell him things. And he's like, what is she saying? (laughs) Meanwhile, Natalie's like in the corner of the kitchen, you know, huffing and puffing. So he's like, what is she saying? And she's like, I think you should just get your phone and Google translate um, because I don't feel like translating to you. (laughs) And Mike's like completely confused as he's sitting in the middle of his fiance, who was clearly pissed at him and not explaining why. And his future question mark mother-in-law who is just like going on and on and on. And he doesn't know what she's talking about. So He's like, can you please just tell me what is going on? Like, what is she saying? Why are you mad at me? Like, what the hell is going on? Um, Natalie says that she is getting frustrated with the situation and with her mother for keep like talking about having kids because she doesn't think like, basically she's changed her mind and she doesn't think that she can marry him that if he's, if he's not religious, um, she starts to cry and she goes to the bed room to keep crying. And she basically says that they don't understand each other. And how could they possibly have kids if they don't understand each other? And Mike's like, people have kids all the time and they make it work. Like if they don't have the same religious views, like it's not really that big of a deal. She is inconsolable at this point and Mike literally like the end of the <laughs> scene is just him standing over her on the bed while she like <laughs> cries under a bunch of uh, blankets so oh, gosh Mike and Natalie they were for sure like my most stressful couple because I just had a feeling like Natalie was too happy in the beginning she was too vibrant she was too like emotional emotive and I just knew that like she wasn't seeing clearly and she just wants to have a baby and I want to know why her mother like I understand that like moms really want to have grandkids a lot of them and they really like sometimes they do put pressure on their daughters to do that and but it just seems like her mom was really going overboard in like a weird way and like 
<clears throat> she's she was standing in the kitchen like oh, I thought we were talking about planning a baby like I don't understand why she got so upset and like I don't know I just I think it's a little invasive to actively talk about like planning a family to a couple unless they're inviting you in that conversation even if they are family and I understand like she does she gets excited and this is like an old school mom but I don't know it just seemed very weird like to (laughs) to continue talking about it when three feet away your daughter is visibly upset and crying I I don't know so the future with Mike and Natalie does not look great and that's fine for me because they do not belong together Finally, things are getting intense between Anna and Marcel. Finally, 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 this woman is growing a backbone. You love to see it. Okay, so Anna feels a lot of pressure to go through the wedding. (laughs) Okay, I, I, I talked a big game, but let me... Here's the next sentence. Anna says she feels a lot of pressure to go through with the wedding because all of her invites are out and her family's planning on coming, but... Fears be damned because it's bachelorette party night, y'all, and I cannot believe that Anna even has this many friends because, frankly, to me, she seems like a walking Kathy comic, but I digress. Um, They're partying. Anna has, she's necking back the shots, and she admits to her friends that she's only allowed to drink, or that Marcel tells her that she can drink once a week. However, he does not want to have sex with her or kiss her afterwards. And they're like, what? (laughs) Um, And then she says that, like, they have had sex before with her, you know, having had a couple drinks. But he really is, like, refusing to kiss her because, you know, he doesn't drink because of his Muslim beliefs. And um, but then they start asking about their sex life. Oh, no. (laughs) I have to admit that I think if out of all the people... All the couples this season, I think I want to know the least about Anna and Marcel's sex life, but here we go. Um, They ask her how it is. Frankly, I was surprised that Marcel's even having sex with her because there is negative chemistry between them. But anyway, um, so they say, they ask him if he goes down on her and she says no, but she's like, oh, that's okay though, because I think it's gross. Grow up grow up (laughs) it's okay if you don't like it but to think it's gross is like okay (laughs) I mean I don't know that's so that's so lame to me um but she also says that she's happy and there was some comment made about big hands I was not gonna rewind and figure out what that was but Anna says that she's happy I don't know where the bar is for her happiness because she constantly seems miserable so I don't know, maybe just like the whisper, the thought of her having an orgasm with Marcel is enough for her, but who knows? Um, she also tells him that Marcel's basically like having another child, which I, it seemed to be that he pees on the toilet and does not clean it up. And that's, that's so foul to me. Like he's a 38 year old man. That's sick. And why is he peeing on the toilet anyway? Like lift the seat up. That's plenty of space. And if you're peeing on the rim, then, ew, gross. Like, what's he doing in Turkey? I have a feeling that, like, once we find out that, once Marcel, like, fully starts speaking English, I think we're going to find out that he's, like, not really that smart. And not the prize that she thinks he is. Um, But anyway, okay, so they 
the women are all basically shocked. She, they also didn't know that Marcel is outright denying that she has children. So that was a huge problem for them. And they basically like, we're all like, we don't recognize the person that we're talking to right now. And that we don't understand why you're putting yourself in this situation. Like basically saying what, what everybody else is thinking, like what, what are you doing girl? (laughs) Like one of the girls is like, I don't understand like why you're putting yourself in this position. Like we've never seen you like this. And they encourage her to make sure that his parents know about the boys before they get married. And I agree. Um, so Anna finally grows some honey nuts. And the next day she bucks up to Marcel and basically says like, you need to tell your parents or or we're not getting married. And he's like, no, I know. But like, I can't tell them. He says like they won't speak to him and basically he's going to be like excommunicated from his family. But I, and then he goes on to say like, Oh, I like, I made so many sacrifices to move here. I quit my job. I did this, that, and the other, but you know, why can't she just make a sacrifice for me? Denying three human beings for the rest of your life is not a sacrifice it's a shitty thing to do <laughs> to den- I mean, and how is, I mean, he, I don't, I think the town that he lives in, I can't pronounce it, is like the capital of Turkey or a very large city in Turkey. Like I've heard of it. So I, I mean, at some point he's going to have to realize that these parents are going to find out. I understand that they probably don't have TLC in Turkey, or maybe it's on a delay where you don't see the show's you know, at the same time as they do America, but like at some point the parents are going to find out. I just don't get the sense that they're like living in a hut somewhere without any access to anybody. And they're just going to be like these people. And so I just think that's for him to compare that to denying her children is so messed up to me. And that's why I think that Marcel is not that smart. So I don't know, you guys. So that was basically it. She cries and says, like, okay. She straight up asks him, like, are you going to tell them or not? And he says no. And so she gets up and and cries and tells him that he's selfish. And she walks off and goes to her bedroom. And he comes to the room and she puts her foot down. Thank God. And that was basically the cliffhanger of the week. What is going to happen to Anna and Marcel? Are they going to get married? I don't think so. In the preview, we saw her crying at the airport and him walking away. So I think that might be it. But I guess we'll see next week, y'all. That is the end for me. Uh, If you guys want to follow me, I am doing a uh, pop culture advent calendar on both Twitter and Instagram. So if you guys want to follow me at everyone's business but mine on Instagram or EBBM podcast on Twitter. Um, I also occasionally live tweet shows, so that's fun. I I live tweeted 90 Day Fiance last week. Um, Go ahead and give me a five-star review. I would love that. And thank you for listening. Thank me for speaking. I love you guys. Bye.